Father, that's our desire today, is to bring you glory and honor and praise. Father, our desire of our hearts today is to see you glorified, see your people stirred for you, for your word, for your truth. Father, that people would be set free today, that our hearts would be encouraged, that your name would be glorified, Father, above all. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this day, God, that you've given us. You have purpose for us. We give you honor and praise and glory. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Children can be released for Children's Church. I remembered, Greg. Well, good morning, y'all. Hey, y'all look good. Well, thank you. Look here. When the worship band was singing, listen, they said enough today, we don't have to say anything else. We had church. Amen? Hey, they did awesome. I was over here about to jump. Seriously, Everything they sung about this morning was enough. Listen, if I never got up here and said a word, it was enough for God to be glorified. I'm grateful for them and their worship this morning and their hearts bringing us before the Lord. Uh, y'all, it's a, it's a blessing to be back with y'all again. Um, feel bad it's under the circumstance that Aaron got COVID and pray he's healing up well. Uh, This morning, I wanted to share with y'all something that came out of Acts 3.26. Y'all, I have to tell you, I was studying this a few weeks ago in my quiet time, and I got to this one verse, Acts um, 3.26. And the Holy Spirit of God hit me when I read that and revealed something to me I had never seen before in God's Word. I have to tell you, I'm so excited to share it with y'all. And um, it's this, how God raised Jesus is how God raises his saints. I want you to think about that for a minute. How God raised Jesus is how God raises his saints. Look here. We just let those little ones go. They're going to church right now, right? And y'all remember, like, let, let me take you back. I'll never forget. I just uh, coming to the end of my time, getting ready to get out of the military, and we found out that Pammy was pregnant with Trevor. Man, y'all was so excited. Let me tell you how excited I was. Um, no, I didn't do it that time. It was when we had Peyton. But the first time, look here, she told me, and I remember, listen, I prayed and prayed and prayed it was a boy. Not, I, I don't know why, I just prayed it was a boy, but then I was like, and Pam kept saying, we want it to be healthy. And I'm like, you're right, but I want a boy. Anyway, <laughs> and ended up getting out of the military, and Trevor was born, and his, 
Pam's pregnancy was really rough, y'all. In fact, the whole time she had issues. Even his birth tested us. Cord was wrapped around his neck. His vitals weren't great, right? And the boy wouldn't cry. Like when they were popping him on his tush, he wouldn't cry. And made me nervous, right? I was like, that's my son, right? But I just remember um, I'd never seen Pam in so much pain and turned to so much joy from our son. And we started raising him, right? And then five years later, this, this is what happened. So we were living with our parents at this time. We found out that Peyton was a little girl. So boy or girl, right? <laughs> I left her in the car and took off running. Went in and told her parents. And she's like, I'm supposed to tell them. I was like, I'm telling them. Can't wait, right? So God given us a little boy, a little girl. And thank God they were both healthy. Now with my daughter, I got to be the one to deliver her. Y'all listen. I felt her first breath in my hand. And that girl's had me wrapped ever since, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Look here. Do you remember the joy that you felt for your children? And then there was born. The first words, right? They first learned how to walk, all that stuff. Then they could talk back. And you're like, Lord. And then, check this out. In our season of life right now, they come back home after you got rid of them. And it's like, okay, I don't remember in the manual when we talked about this. We raised them up. We did the best they could. You come back when you bring grandchildren to us to spoil. I say that jokingly. I'm glad to have my kids at home. Kind of. I enjoyed empty nesting with Pam, right? Felt young again. Now listen, I, I say that in jest and fun and everything, but think of the joy children bring. And listen, and then think of how our lives kind of revolve around them, sometimes in an unhealthy way, right? Because we want the best for them. We want to raise them up. Now, if, if you can just kind of grasp that for a moment, the title of this sermon, How God Raised Jesus, How God Raises His Saints, listen, he raises you and I the way he raised his son. And I really believe that this speaks about God's sovereignty. I want to ask you all to do me a favor. Whether you're watching online or you're in here today, find a pen. This, excuse me, church gives you all a little note section. Look here. I'm going to give you all ingredients to put all together, and it's going to feel like a big Jesus stew when you put it all together and you read it like after today, right? Because I'm going to be so excited, and hopefully you're going to be excited. But when you marinate in this and you put it all together and you realize the depth of what this means, look here, y'all going to have you a spell. I believe that because God raised us the same way he raised his son. But there's three things that I want to talk about first before we get into Acts 3.26. Listen, the sovereignty of God is the same as the lordship of God. For God is sovereign over all creation. The major components of God's lordship are this. Control, authority, and presence. You're going to want to write that down. God's sovereign control, number one. What's that mean? His control means that everything happens according to his plan and intention. Authority means that all his commands ought to be obeyed, 
Presence means that we encounter God's control and authority in all of our experiences so that we cannot escape from his justice or his love. When theologians talk about divine sovereignty, they usually have the first of these in mind, his control. Indeed, the Bible teaches that God controls all things. He has an eternal plan for all of nature and history. So when God meets with Moses in Exodus 3 and he reveals his name Yahweh, that name, God's lordship, reveals to Moses that God, not Pharaoh, rules over the affairs of Egypt and Israel. When we say Yahweh, God rules over any sin that comes against us. You understand? Anything the world throws at us hasn't got nothing on God's control. Even during the debates of the presidential thing, the COVID, all this division, all the slander that Craig talked about today. Church, listen, I got some good news for all of our hearts today. God is in control, even when it doesn't seem like it. It says this, God said this to Moses, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give you to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I love these last four words. I am the Lord. Note the last four words of promise because God is Lord this the sovereign, he will certainly deliver Israel from Egypt and bring his people into the promised land. Nothing can stop the Lord from fulfilling his promise. God's control, listen, nothing can prevent him from accomplishing his purposes. That was his control. Number two, God's sovereign authority. But God's sovereign lordship is more than control. It embodies his authority. What the Lord commands his creatures must do. Notice, Not an option. A command doesn't mean if I want to, if I think it's right, if I prefer it, it's no. God commands it, we do it, right? Last week we talked about sitting at the Lord's feet and listening to him teach. The Holy Spirit of God will give us the encouragement, the strength, and the joy, no matter what he calls us to, to obey him, listen, with joy. If we obey him, okay? Um, The covenant which Moses delivered to Israel after God sovereignly redeemed them from Egypt, God begins by identifying himself as Lord, Exodus 21 through 2. And on the basis of that identification, goes on to utter his Ten Commandments. It is because God is the sovereign Lord that we must obey him. Because he is Lord, his authority is absolute. That means, one, we shall not waver in our obedience to him, Two, his lordship transcends all of our loyalties. Let me say two again. His lordship transcends all of our loyalties. We are not loyal to a country or a creed. We are loyal to the God Almighty above all things. Amen? And three, that his authority over us exists in all areas of human life, not just in the areas that we arbitrarily call religious or sacred. God is absolutely sovereign authority. He's the boss, not me, not us. We get our orders from him. Here's why that's good news. He's the only know-it-all we know. 
He'll only be the know-it-all forever and ever and ever. Amen. And then listen, when our faith becomes our sight and we stand before him, imagine when our minds understand that reality. Can you imagine what it's going to be like to be with him? Listen, everything that's been veiled from us, the things we don't understand, when we see him, we will understand his sovereign authority in his kingdom. That is good news. Y'all, we got a lot to look forward to in eternity. Three, God's sovereign presence. The third attribute that defines God's sovereign lordship is his covenant with his creatures, which I often abbreviate by the term presence. In Scripture, the covenant Lord is the one who takes people to be his own. He declares this intention often in Scripture. When God takes us to be his people, he fights our battles. He blesses us, loves us, sometimes as a loving father, gives us special punishments for our sins. Those are not fun. Think of kids. I had to give them a little swat, right? Ain't fun in the moment. What, we, what I've got told in the South was this, I'll tan your hide. Lord have mercy, mine was tan a lot. I don't know about y'all. He summarizes all this by saying that he is with us. He places his name, name upon us so that he dwells with us and we are with him. In the Old Testament, he fulfills his presence with Israel in the tabernacle and the temple. Y'all gonna love this. In the New Testament, he dwells with us, particularly in Jesus, God with us, Emmanuel. He tabernacles with us. And after his ascension, he sends the Holy Spirit, look, to live in us. Look, you are haunted this morning, whether you know it or not, by the Holy Ghost of God, right? You have a ghost that lives inside of you that points you to Jesus, a Holy Spirit that lives in you. Isn't it cool in the Old Testament, God was, everything was about leading them into the land. In the New Testament, it's all about God leading himself into our life. <laughs> Boom. Right? Come on, y'all. Listen, he possesses the life. It's no longer about the land. It's all about the life. We are walking Jesus's. We obey him. We follow his commands. Listen, nothing will prosper against us. Nothing, even when it seems like it. God's presence is not only with his chosen human beings, for God's whole creation is also in covenant with him. He is the Lord of all creation. His presence is everywhere. Or as theologians say, is omnipresent. He's with us now. He's inside of you guys. He's inside of me. Holy Ghost party in the church. Filled full of the Holy Ghost. It makes you grin, don't it? God's with us. He's in us all the time. So even though Scripture teaches that God controls everything, we should not think of his sovereignty as impersonal, mechanical determinism. God's sovereign lordship is deeply personal. As Lord, God not only controls everything, but also utters commands, words of life that graciously govern the ongoing life of his creatures. And as the Lord has made a sovereign commitment to be with those who are his, indeed, God's sovereignty is a broad concept, including all that God is and all that he does, even embracing 
is love. In God's sovereign control, authority, and presence, how he raised Jesus is how he raises our saints. Would you read with me in Acts chapter 3, verse 26, these words. When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Now Mark, now how did you get out of that, that God raised Jesus the same way he raises us? Well, I'm glad you want to know that this morning because I can't wait to share this with you. Number one is this. God raised us both, his son and us, in the womb. Watch this. Luke, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's presence, God sent the angel Gabriel, Nazarene village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with the Lord. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so that the baby will be born will be holy, and will he be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has begun pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she conceived a son, and now in the sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about him come true. And the angel left her. There he was, right? Mary, God, God shows up, okay, and tells Mary, you are going to give birth to a son. God began to raise his chosen son up within her womb. Look here, Psalms 139. I'm going to read this. We, same thing, God's children. Watch this. Y'all, I love this verse. Psalm 139, 13 through 18. Let this just warm over you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderful complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Look at this picture. You know what came through my mind when I pulled that picture? Man, I'm being created in my mother and Jesus is there watching in the silence and the seclusion, listen, of this protected womb that's given me life. God is with me. God was with you. Isn't it incredible how we see over and over in Scripture where God tells us to go into secret and there we'll find the reward? He's that reward. And in this moment, these intimate moments, in our mother's wombs, our children, there is God watching everything take place. In the womb. There's still more. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had even passed. 
How gracious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Can I just ask y'all a second? Y'all feel loved right now? Look here. Our Savior in the womb. Your life in the womb. God present in both. Listen, his sovereignty chose you to be his child. Set you apart to be his child. Set you apart to bring him glory. Set me apart to bring him glory and honor and praise, which means if he chose us, he has a purpose and a plan for us. We need not be afraid. God saw you in the womb. Beloved, he saw me in the womb. He chose us. It it makes us have to ask this question. Why did you choose me, Lord? And the Lord would say to us, because I have a purpose and I have a plan that I want to execute through your life to bring me glory and honor and praise. And along the way, you will be a bearer of good news to other people about me. Not only do we see that the Lord chose us, meets us in the womb. Number two, he raises us with his word. This is what John 12, 49 says. This is Jesus talking. John 12, 49, he says, I, can, I just, can I just pause for a second and tell you guys, this is kind of, kind of one of the most amazing verses to me when Jesus taught this. Here's what he says. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me He's commanded me to say, he says, he's commanded me what to say and how to say it. Why is that so profound? Jesus didn't say anything that he didn't hear the Father say first. Think about that, church. Everything that came out of his mouth, he heard his Father say it to him, then he said it to us. Right? Jesus even made this comment. Remember the story? Meets the woman at the well. They're having this discussion. She kind of gets snarky with him. He saves her. She leaves her pot. She goes off running. Listen, this woman who had a very promiscuous lifestyle and had went there in the middle of the day because she was, trying, she was hiding because people would have mocked her and they would have made fun of her and they would have called her names. They would have slandered her. She went when she didn't think anybody would be there. And lo and behold, there he was. Why? Because when she was in her mother's womb, Jesus knew He would meet her at that well, okay? And when Jesus said that springs of life will overflow out of your life, he wasn't joking. Because the woman goes into the town, and that life that was just given to her sprung up all over the townsmen, and they went from mocking her to following her to Jesus. And the disciples, like normal, like me, confused, worried about food, wondering, why is he talking to her, and where did he get something to eat? Not focused, ADD gets the best of me. Jesus says, look here, I have food that I eat that you know nothing about. What was he talking about? Right here. Everything he says is nourishment to my soul. Everything that he says that comes out of my mouth gives me a nourishment, listen, that you don't understand right now, but you will when I send the Holy Spirit to you. 
And so, we see Jesus dialed in to the Father. When God said it, Jesus said it. What about us? Matthew 4.4 addresses this. Listen to what Matthew 4.4 says. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, when God chose me in the womb, had a plan and a purpose for my life, right? He raised me and protected me in that womb. And then my mother gave birth to me, right? And on April 24th, 1997, at my home on my steps with my son that I mentioned to you guys upstairs earlier, he saved my soul. Two weeks prior to that, he saved my wife's soul, and I was living with a stranger that I didn't know. And God spoke into my life that day, freedom and salvation. And that day began a new walk for my life. And ever since then, God has sovereignly been raising me up with this precious 66-book love letter. I just can't get enough of it. I want to eat more and more of it. It's manna from heaven. And listen, it'll change your life, church. It changes mine every day. Every day. And he raises me up with it. And here's what he says. Mark, y'all not to do that. This is what y'all to do. He tans my hide, even as an adult. And he shows me, Mark, this is what you should do. And here's what you notice. You start saying things that the Bible says more than what you would normally say. Because we're being conformed into the image of our Savior. God raises us up with his word. And finally, number three, not only does God raise us, God raises us through the womb, he meant us, not only did he, does he raise us with the word, but look here, he raises us from our wounds, our wounds. You'll want to write this down, church, Romans 8, 11. I'm going there as fast as my little hands can go. I've, I've noticed something. I don't know if y'all I know this is like awkward, like out of the blue, but I have to say something. Look here. I just have to say something. I have to do this to see anything now. And I, hey, look, I, I wore my glasses last week, and then I got weird ears, and this thing kept moving. I kept thinking it was going to fall, and the whole time it was working on my ADD, so I was like, Lord, I'm wearing my contacts today, and then when I'm up here, I'm like this. <laughs> Sorry, just, I'm, I'm being reminded that eventually I'm going to be raised from my wounds eternally, right? But listen what, listen what Romans, listen what Romans 8, 11 says about Jesus. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Church, look at me for a minute. When Jesus died... The Spirit of God that raised him to life is in you. Right now as I'm speaking. I sometimes wonder if we grab that reality. Hey, I, w- I, wonder, I wonder if we would think of holiness in a different way if we realized that we were indwelled by a holy God. That in the Old Testament, look here, if you got too close to something, you saw people die because of his holiness. I mean, 
And I'm talking about God was so detailed, if you put the wrong incense to burn, you found dead bodies. Do you think, I'm just asking, do you think today that the church really grasps his holiness? I often wonder. Let me go on. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. See, Jesus went to the cross prior to that. I think, I wonder sometimes, I think I take this for granted that oftentimes the three and a half years that he lived and he was on mission and he did his ministry, I think oftentimes I take for granted this, that man went through more slander than anyone that's ever lived this earth. And listen, nobody tried to identify him as him not being who he was than, than everybody around him. And, and this is what fascinates me about this is that, can you imagine, listen, God, Jesus would look into the eyes of people and he would be like, oh, I remember you when uh, I was forming you in your mother's womb. And now their mouth is telling him, you're not God. And yet, and yet, his grace and his goodness pursued them. In spite of slander and doubt and mockery, Jesus was like, I knew you. I knew when God chose you. And I'm going to love you. In fact, I remember in the silence of your mother's womb, I was there. When he got done, listen, they beat him until his insides was coming out. Usually we talk around this around April. I think we need to be reminded of that all the time. Let me tell you why I think we need to be reminded of that all the time. Because in the scriptures, God constantly reminded Israel that he freed them from Egypt. Over and over again, he reminded them, I freed you from Egypt. Jesus Christ's wounds freed me for eternity. From my sin. He rescued me from my Egypt that held me in bondage. We see that we know we celebrate the empty tomb. We see what the Father did with His Son. Now look at what the Father does with His saints. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 14. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that your bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about your bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Amen? Now watch this little ingredients of truth stew that we put together with God's word about you and me. God raised Jesus same way he raises us. He raised us in our mother's womb. He raises us with his precious word. And one day, when death gets its grip on us because of this side of eternity, friend, God will raise you from your wounds to be with him in eternity. He did all this 
This is so amazing. He did all this because the rest of 26 says this, to bless you and turn you away from your sinful ways. What God is saying in this, I want to, I want to, I want to take your minds and imprint this, this, the words that I just read. I want you to hold on to that, and then I want you to go back for me. Listen, when God took Israel out of Egypt, why did he take Israel out of Egypt? To set them free. And he said, let my people go so that they may freely worship me. They may freely worship me. God set you free from your sin and my sin so we can freely worship him. The greatest gift that we've been given through Jesus is the ability to live in freedom with him. Freedom to worship God. That freedom comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, y'all, he fills us with the Holy Spirit who produces fruits in our lives. I've got two more verses I want to share with you. Write this one down. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. I want to make an emphasis, y'all, on this key of freedom, and I'll explain to you why. This is another moment in Scripture that I had where I feel like the Holy Spirit jumped out of the page, gave me a little kiss on the cheek, said, there you go. And that's this. Paul says this. This, remember last week we talked about assessments? The guy that barreled the, the 747 down the runway. We're wrapping up. Now it's time to start assessing your life about what's been shared with you this morning. God's sovereign plan in your life. The womb, the word, your wounds. Listen to this. God did all of that to free us Think about this freedom for a second and everything that's been going on in society that's caused us fear and frustrations, right? In spite of all that, in spite of us seeing things that have taken place in our country around us right now that are strange to us. Listen, fears about the future, all those things that the enemy wants to distract us with, you're free. And listen, God's filled you with the Holy Spirit for this, to produce in your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen to the last of this. There is no law against these things. Do y'all realize what Paul's saying right here? Like, do we realize the depth of that? Here's what Paul's saying. Look here, church. Walk out of here today and do all that you want with these things. Okay? Do it till you just can't take it no more. Look here. Love, be joyful, be patient, be kind, be good, be faithful, be gentle, and self-control. Look here. You can do all that you want, and there's no law against it. Nothing can be done to you. Listen, God says just have all you want with that. There are no boundaries. That's what God's saying. There are no boundaries with those things. God's like, in fact, lavish those things on people. Listen, because there is no law for that. Why? Because I made you to be free. God blesses us and he keeps us free from the oppressive grip from sin and death. 
Father, you desire that we are free to worship you and you alone. Please, God, imprint this truth and let it hit home in our hearts and our minds that you, God, raised as you did your precious Son, our Savior Jesus. You raise us the same. Amen. Saints, one can only bow to their knee and worship. One can only be at his feet. Because God has, God has taught his children the same way he taught his son how to live in freedom. Be free. Be free. But I want you to remember this. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And then Kathy, if, after I read this, if you and your team will come up here and lead us back to the throne so we can have us a spell, that would be awesome. Precious saints, lest we forget our freedom, listen what the Lord God Almighty says. Listen, this, the Lord God Almighty that we discovered today this, that he chose you in, your, in the mother's womb. He raises you with his word, and he will raise you from your wounds forever and ever. Amen. And in the meantime, you're free. Don't be afraid of this world. Don't be afraid of what's coming. You're free. Live out the fruit of the Holy Spirit with all you want. Glut me all you want with it. Give it away. But remember this, Deuteronomy 8, starting with verse 3. He humbled you by letting you go hungry, then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. wonder if that was Jesus' representation of him. Sorry, I just had a moment. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. We just read that earlier. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, if you would, jump down with me, okay, to verse 11. But that, listen, after, after the land where they're, I'm going to back up. You guys just hold tight at 11. Listen, Moses is saying you obey the Lord's command by walking in his ways and fearing him, for your Lord is bringing you into a good land. Listen, now he's bringing us into a good life. He's not bringing us into a land. He's bringing himself into our life, flowing with milk and honey. Listen, strong, all these things that it goes on, they're talking about iron, all these strong things, it's in us. And then he says this, but that is the time to be careful, to be careful when we become complacent. We forget that we're free. Why? Because of this. Beware that your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that he's giving you today. Why, church? Because we'll forget where God, what he's done for us, and then we turn our backs on him. And you know what we start doing? We start living like eternity doesn't live within us. And then it repels people. And then we have superstar pastors that we've elevated above Jesus fall. People are shocked. There is no one, there's only one superstar. His name's Jesus Christ. He owns that title. Lest that we give that away to someone else, shame on us, church. His name be praised and glorified. Lest we forget and we come plentiful and complacent in our freedom. At the end, God says this, be destroyed. And I feel like for today, I'm not slandering this man. I'm speaking truth. Mr. Zacharias, look what his family's left with. You think when he slid into sin, he would have thought that? Do you think he started with the end in mind? 
hey, when I make this decision today and I'm gone, I'm going to leave my precious family and all the good things that he done. No one's going to remember those. No one will. We might. But we live in a society where you want to get mocked and they want to cancel you out. Even so. Look here. You're free. Go on out today. If you have lunch somewhere, be like, look here. Tell your waiter or waitress, look here, I'm going to love you. I'm going to be joyous to you. I'm going to give you all kinds of good stuff because the Bible says I can do all that and there is no law against it. So, mm, there you go. Would you come and lead us to the throne? Look here, y'all. I'm going to tell you like what I did when I just started out. Y'all look good. All joke aside, I love y'all. I mean it. I'm so tickled that you're my neighbor. Look, God gave us a good neighbor. You. Just tell our team, look around the building right there. We have a neighbor that loves Jesus. A lot of people don't. Bragging on you. I'm really bragging on God because he put us there beside you. And your pastor prayed that God would put someone there. (laughs) Surprise! (laughs) Will you bow your heads and pray and we'll worship together? Jesus, I just, wow, that you raise us the way you raised your son. That we see the imprint of your hand. Father, that we could celebrate that today, this morning together in your house. Oh, Father, I pray that you'll stir the saints today. You'll stir my heart to remind us, Father, to stay focused on you and what you've done and remind us that you set us, each one of us, free from our own Egypt that oppressed us and kept us in sin. And God, as we walk out the door today, I pray that we walk in the power and the fruit of your Holy Spirit and we remember that we're free to do all the things of the fruits of the Spirit. There are no limitations. God, would we each leave here today saying that we offer our lives as a living sacrifice to you that is holy and pleasing. I pray, God, today that you are happy and pleased, Lord Jesus, with what we brought to you. As they lead us to your throne, I pray our hearts burst to life in praise. It's all for you and your glory. Amen.